chapters twenty six through thirty three and appendix of fraternal charity by father valwi this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty six seventh preservative caution in doubtful cases act with the greatest reserve in doubtful cases where grave suspicions difficult to be cleared up rest on a religious superior or inferior as the case may be the ears of the superior are sacred and it is unworthy profanation to pour into them false or exaggerated reports to infect the superior's ears is a greater crime than to poison the drinking fountain or to steal a treasure because the only treasure of religious is the esteem of their superior and the pure water which refreshes their souls is the encouraging and benevolent words of the same superior some by imprudence or under the influence of a highly coloured or impressionable imagination which carries everything to extremes we would not say through malice render themselves often guilty of crying acts of injustice and ruin a religious what is uncertain they relate as certain and what is mere conjecture they take as the base of grave suspicions several facts which taken individually constitute scarcely a fault they group together and so make a mountain out of a few grains of sand an act which seen in its entirety would be worthy of praise they mutilate in such a fashion as to show it in an unfavourable light enemies of the positive degree they lavish with prodigality the words often very much exceedingly etc when they have only one or two witnesses they make use of the word everybody thereby leaving you under the impression that the rumour is scattered broadcast on such statements how can a superior pronounce judgment chapter twenty seven eighth preservative to check uncharitable conversation in others when you see charity wounded by an equal call him to order if to say or do anything scandalous is the first sin forbidden by charity not to stop when you can him who speaks or acts badly ought to be considered the second when the discourse degenerates represent jesus christ entering suddenly into the midst of the company and saying as he did formerly to the disciples of emmaus what discourse hold you among yourselves and why are you sad recall also these words of the psalmist you have preferred to say evil rather than good and to relate vices rather than virtues o deceitful inconsiderate and rash tongue dost thou think thou wilt remain unpunished no god will punish thee in everlasting flames after having thus fortified ourselves against uncharitable conversation we ought to try and put a stop to it st john climacus tells us to address the following words to those who calumniate in our presence for mercy's sake cease such conversation how would you wish me to stone my brethren me whose faults are greater and more numerous 
a holy religious replied to an uncharitable person we have to render infinite thanks to god if we are not such as those of whom you speak alas what would become of us without him the philosopher zeno hearing a man relate a number of misdeeds about antisthenes said to him ah has he never done anything good has he never done anything for which he merits praise i don't know he replied then said zeno how is that you have sufficient perception to remark and sufficient memory to remember this long list of faults and you have had no eyes to see his many good qualities and virtuous actions st john chrysostom says to the calumniator i wish you to say the following if you can praise your neighbours my ears are open to receive your perfume if you can only blacken them my ears are closed as i do not wish them to be the receptacle of your filthy words what matters it to me to hear that such a one is wicked and has done some detestable act friend think of the account that must be rendered to the sovereign judge what excuse can we give and what mercy will we deserve we who have been so keen-sighted to the faults of others and so blind to our own you would consider it very rude for a person to look into your private room but i say it is far worse to pry into another's private life and to expose it the calumniator should remember that besides the fault he commits and the wrong he does to his neighbours he exposes himself by a just punishment of god to be the victim of calumny himself chapter twenty eight ninth preservative how to check uncharitable conversation in superiors etc when we see charity wounded by persons worthy of respect keep silent in order to show your regret or relate something to the advantage of the absent if necessary withdraw it is related in the life of sister margaret of the blessed sacrament of the carmelite order that when a discourse against charity took place in the house she saw a smoke arise of such suffocating odour that she nearly fainted and fled immediately to her divine master for pardon st jerome writing to nepotian on this subject says some object that they cannot warn the speaker of his fault without failing in the respect due to him this excuse is vain because their eagerness to listen increases his itch for speaking no one wishes to relate calumnies and murmurs to ears closed with disgust is there any one so foolish as to shoot arrows against a stone wall let your strict silence be a significant and salutary lesson for the detractor have no commerce with those who bite said solomon because perdition is on the eve of overtaking them and who can tell the disaster and ruin with which the rash detractor and equally blamable listener are threatened if it be true according to the testimony of a religious who was visitor of the houses of his order that the virtue against which one can most easily commit a grievous sin in religion is charity 
and according to st francis de sales sins of the tongue number three-fourths of all sins committed cannot it be said with equal truth that to refuse to listen to detractors is with one blow to prevent the sin and safeguard charity in many cases one can adroitly make known the good qualities and virtues which more than counterbalance the defects related by the defamer to act thus is to spread about the good odour of christ chapter twenty nine tenth preservative be cautious after hearing uncharitable conversation after having heard uncharitable words observe the following precautions given by the saints number one repeat nothing number two believe all the good you hear but believe only the bad you see malice does the contrary it demands proofs for good reports but believes bad reports on the slightest grounds out of every thousand reports one can scarcely be found accurate in all its details when as a rule of prudence superiors are told to believe only half of what they hear to consider the other half and still suspect the remaining part what rules should be prescribed for inferiors when the act is evidently blameworthy suppose a good intention or at least one not so bad as apparent leaving to god what he reserves to himself the judgment of the heart or consider it as the result of surprise inadvertence human frailty or the violence of the temptation never come to hasty conclusions for example he is incorrigible as he is so will he always be expect everything from grace efforts and time number three efface as much as possible the bad impression produced on the mind because calumny always produces such the recital of something bad about a fellow religious based on probabilities has sufficed to tarnish a reputation which ample apologies cannot fully repair the detractor's evil reports are believed on account of the audacity with which he relates them but when he wants to relate something good he will not be believed on oath we know by experience that evil reports spread with compound interest while good ones are retailed at discount chapter thirty eleventh preservative not to judge or suspect rashly expel every doubt every thought likely to diminish esteem they amuse themselves with a most dangerous game who always gather up vague thoughts of the past rumours without foundation conjectures in which passion has the greatest share and thus form in their minds characters of their brethren adding always never subtracting and by dint of the high idea they have of their own ability to conclude that all their judgments are true and thus become fixed in their bad habit st bernard comparing them to painters warns them that it is the devil who furnishes the materials and even the evil conceptions necessary to depict such bad impressions of their brethren 
we read in the life of st francis that our lord himself called in a distant voice a certain young man to his order o lord replied the young man when i am once entered what must i do to please you pay particular attention to our lord's answer lead thou a life in common with the rest avoid particular friendships take no notice of the defects of others and form no unfavourable judgments about them what matter for consideration in these admirable words thomas a kempis says turn thy eyes back upon thyself and see thou judge not the doing of others in judging others a man labours in vain often errs and easily sins but in judging and looking into himself he always labours with fruit we frequently judge of a thing according to the inclination of our hearts because self-love easily alters in us a true judgment rodriguez tells us to turn on ourselves the sinister questions etc we are tempted to refer to others for example it is i who am deceived it is through jealousy that i condemn my brethren it is through malice that i find so much to blame in them finally the fault is mine not theirs even when reports more or less true might depreciate in your eyes some of the community may they not have besides their faults some great but hidden virtues and by these be entitled to a more merciful judgment st augustine says beautifully if you cast your eye over a field where the corn has been trampled you only perceive the straw not the grain lift up the straw and you will see plenty of golden sheaves full of grain the simile is very applicable to a poor religious beaten down by foul tongues we blame the defects of our brethren and perhaps we have the same or others more shameful still we usurp the right of judgment which god reserves to himself and forget that he will punish us by leaving us to our own irregular passions ah is it not already a very great misfortune to have these contemptuous slanderous distrustful thoughts and many other sins the result of malicious suspicions and rash judgments rooted in the soul chapter thirty one means to support the evil thoughts and tongues of others what must be done in those painful moments when being the victim of a painful calumny the object of suspicion the butt of domestic persecution we are tempted to believe that charity is banished from the community or so to banish it from our own heart recall the words of st john of the cross imagine says he that your brethren are so many sculptors armed with mallets and chisels and that you have been placed before them as a block of marble destined in the mind of god to become a statue representing the man of sorrows jesus crucified consider a hasty word said to you as a thorn in the head a mockery as a spit in the face an unkind act as a nail in the hand a hatred which takes the place of friendship as a lance in the side 
all that which hurts contradicts or humiliates us as the blows stripes the gall and vinegar the crown of thorns and the cross the work proceeds always sometimes slowly sometimes quickly let us not complain we will one day thank these workmen who without intending it give to our soul the most beautiful the most glorious and the noblest traits we ourselves are sculptors as well as statues and we will find that on our part we have materially helped to form in them the same traits if all were perfect says the imitation what then should we have to suffer from others for god's sake it is not forbidden us to seek consolation but from whom is it from those discontented spirits whose ears are like public sewers the receptacle of every filth and dirt they increase our pain by pouring the poison of their own discontent instead of the oil of the good samaritan they will take our disease and give us theirs and like samson's foxes spread destruction around by repeating what we said to them may god preserve us from this misfortune if we cannot carry our burden alone and if we find it no relief to lay our griefs in the sacred heart of jesus let us go to him whom the rule appoints to be our friend and consoler our confidant and director and who as st augustine relates of st monica after having listened to us with patience charity and compassion after having at first appeared to share our sentiments will sweeten and explain all with prudence will lift up and encourage our oppressed heart and by his counsel and prayers will restore us to peace and charity chapter thirty two second means to bear with others recall the words of our lord to blessed margaret mary with the intention of perfecting thee by patience i will increase thy sensibility and repugnance so that thou wilt find occasions of humiliation and suffering even in the smallest and most indifferent things what would be considered when we were in the world as the prick of a needle we look upon in religion as the blow of a sword what we looked upon in our own house as light as a feather becomes in community life as heavy as a rock an insignificant word becomes an outrage and a little matter which formerly would escape our notice now upsets us and even deprives us of sleep and appetite is not this increase of sensibility and repugnance found in the religious state only to form in us the image of the crucified lord if christ alone has suffered interiorly more than all the saints and martyrs together was it not because of this extreme repugnance of his soul which multiplied to infinity for him the bitterness of the affronts and the rigour of his torments religious may expect for a certainty that like their divine master there are reserved for them moments of complete abandonment those agonies intended for the souls of the elect in which nature seems on the point of succumbing 
no consolation from their families which they have quitted nor from their companions who are busy in their various employments nor from their superiors who do not understand the excess of their grief and whose words by divine permission produce no effect the solemn moment of agony with our divine saviour was that in which abandoned betrayed and denied by his apostles and perceiving in his father only an irritated face he exclaimed my god my god why hast thou forsaken me such will be for religious the last touch which will complete in them the resemblance of jesus crucified provided they will render themselves worthy of it when will be the time of this complete abandonment how long will this agony be prolonged this is a secret known only to god chapter thirty three conclusion poverty chastity obedience and charity such are the virtues suitable and characteristic of the religious in this little treatise we have endeavoured to trace the features of the last in every community we can distinguish two sorts of religious those who mount and those who descend those whose face is towards the path of perfection and those who have turned their back to it perhaps amongst these latter some have only one more step to abandon it altogether now we mount or descend proceed or retrace our steps in proportion as we practise these four virtues or neglect them a religious order is like a fire balloon which requires four conditions in order to rise into the clouds amidst the applause of the spectators first the rarefication of the air by fire this represents the vow of poverty which empties the heart through the hands and substitutes the desire of heavenly goods for those of earth second release from the cords which bind it down this represents the effects of the vow of chastity which by breaking human attachments permits us to soar towards god with freedom and rapidity third a man who will feed the fire and moderate the flight of the balloon upwards this represents the right which the vow of obedience places in the hands of the superior to nourish the sacred fire and direct the sublime movement of the soul and foresee dangers fourth the union of its component parts this represents the operations of charity in causing all the members of a community to have but one heart and one soul possessing these four virtues a religious order soars in the heights of perfection but if one of these be wanting it falls helplessly and is no longer an object of edification but of scandal and ridicule when it happens that some members losing the spirit of their state abandon their holy vocation we may say with st john they went out from us but they were not of us for if they had been of us they would no doubt have continued with us but that they might be made manifest that they are not all of us
1 john chapter 2 they appeared to have the religious virtues but in reality one or all were wanting to them o god do not permit that lukewarmness or an uncontrolled passion will ever make me waver in my vocation during life and at death i wish to remain a faithful religious so that i may find the salvation which thou hast promised by procuring thy glory as good grain improves by pulling up the weeds and the body becomes healthy when purged of bad humours pour into my soul the grace and unction which others refuse in order that practising more perfectly from day to day poverty chastity obedience and charity and redoubling my ardour and zeal to my last hour i may obtain the priceless treasure promised to those who have quitted all to follow thee amen appendix the practice of fraternal charity by father faber number one often reflect on some good point in each of your brethren number two reflect on the opposite faults in yourself number three do this most in the case of those whom we are most inclined to criticize number four never claim rights or even let ourselves feel that we have them as this spirit is most fatal both to obedience and charity number five charitable thoughts are the only security of charitable deeds and words they save us from surprises especially from surprises of temper number six never have an aversion for another much less manifest it number seven avoid particular friendships number eight never judge another always if possible excuse the faults we see and if we cannot excuse the action excuse the intention we cannot all think alike and we should therefore avoid attributing bad motives to others charitable religious they have a disregard of self and the desire to accommodate others they rejoice with their companions in their joys and recreations and grieve with them in their afflictions they try to bring all the good they can to the community and to avert all the evil they begin with themselves by being as little trouble as possible to others with great charity and affability they bear with the faults and shortcomings of others careful to fulfil the law of christ which tells us to bear one another's burdens they dispense to others what they have for their own advantage more particularly do they give spiritual assistance by prayer and the other spiritual works of mercy they never contradict any one they never speak against any one they are convinced that charity holy friendships and concord form the great solace of this life and that no good ever came from dissensions and disputes they consider that god is ever in the midst of those who live united together by the bonds of holy love 
we will do likewise if we consider the image of god in the souls of our brethren as we form one body here and one spirit in the same faith and charity let us hope not to be separated hereafter but to belong for ever to that one body in heaven when faith and hope shall disappear but where charity alone shall remain and remain for ever end of appendix end of fraternal charity by father volwee